Healthcare and senior care is fraught with problems and challenges, but we're also seeing some amazing new clinical treatments and resources. This show will help illuminate and uncover the good, bad, and the ugly in order to equip patients, families, and other healthcare providers. Welcome to Senior Care Confidential. Hello, and welcome to another show of Senior Care Confidential. I'm joined with my host, uh, Joe Alch. Hello there. Hi. Good afternoon. And today, Joe, we're going to be talking about how to reduce hospitalizations and uh, readmissions. And this is something, you know, I come from a research background, um, and this is something that we studied um, a lot. And I know as a nurse, you probably see this quite a bit too. And there's, we found that there's there's a number of things to address, um, you know, and we have these hospitals and skilled nursing facilities and they have regulations and they got to, you know, they got to produce the 87 page, you know, discharge paperwork, which nobody reads, right? It's, it's like a lot of legal, legal speak. And, you know, it's really just a checkbox for a lot of things. And so what I have found is with training other seniors, including patients of ours, is that if we can drill it down to like the, the top few things, that are easy to, mem- to remember, then we can actually get probably 80% of the way there. Um, and so that's what we're going to discuss today. Well, you know, it's interesting. I have so many clients that that I'll ask, um, did anybody review these discharge orders with you? Right. What? Did you bring anything home from the hospital? Did they give you any paperwork? I don't think so. Then they'll dig through their bag and, oh yeah, is this what you're talking about? Well, you know, and they're just overwhelmed. Yeah, and it's in so, perfect order. There's no crumpling of the sheets. It's obviously it's never been opened. It's never been opened. Right. And you know, with hospital with hospitalizations and even readmission, uh, even like um, rehab hospitals, like the most crucial time after a discharge is that first seven to 10 days. And so what a lot of people don't realize is, and we get this quite quite frequently where we'll go out and see a patient. And so before the hospitalization, before the bad thing happened, whether it was a fall or a chronic illness that was that it exacerbated or whatever, it doesn't really matter what the reason was, but before they go to the hospital, they got one medication list. And then they go to the hospital and things are kind of awry. So the, the physicians in the hospital will modify the meds and they'll be on a different set of medications. Um, they'll go to the rehab center, with another with a, another med list, and then the rehab center, the hospital, the hospitalist rounding at the rehab center will also, you know, modify their meds. So they get home, and I go out and see them. They're like, Brian, I've got three or four med lists, and I'm not sure which ones to take. They'll have bags of meds and have no idea, and the family's confused. They're like, we don't know what mom's taking. So it is so important to know what they're on and what they're yes. supposed to be taking to keep them healthy. Yeah. And so because we see this so frequently, it's like, okay, we probably should do a show on this and like highlight the top things. So the, the good news for the audience is there's just really four things that we've drilled down and say, hey, if you can get these four things, we call them four keys to, to managing chronic illnesses. Uh, the number one, the first one is what we just discussed is you need to have some sort of a master list. We call it a reconciled medication list, but some sort of a master list that has all the medications and ideally your supplements too, but at least if you have the prescription medications on there from all of your specialists. So when I worked for the post-acute research company, what we found was that the average senior has one primary care doctor and 2.3 specialists. And so there's a lot of meds that are kind of flying around and even within the same, and this was a shocking thing, even within the same hospital system. So here we have Baylor or UT Southwestern or uh, THR or whatever, within the same hospital system, a lot of times the doctors aren't updated or ha- or don't know that there's been modifications um, to medications. And I know you just recently had a scenario where there was like a doubling up of meds. Yeah. So what I, what I, I had a patient who was having horrible hallucinations 
And so bad, she was convinced, she had convinced herself they were real. She couldn't sleep by herself. She she couldn't sleep at all. Um, she did not want to, want to be left alone. She's covered her microwave with dish towels. She's covered her windows with towels. I mean, she's just terrified. So going through her med list and going through her meds, I found that her primary doctor prescribed a medication with enteric coated, and it said the name of the medication plus ENT, and then her specialist ordered the medicine without the ENT on the prescription, so she assumed she was taking two different things, when actually she was doubling up on her medication, and a normal dose, one of the side effects is hallucinations. So basically, when you're doubling, of course, you're going to have these terrifying hallucinations. Yeah. So right now, we are um, just um, easing her off that medication. We're adding some medicine for anxiety. Um, and so we're just titrating and scaling up and down. And um, within a week, she's doing better. So it's and how, just... So for the audience, too, how long... Was she doing this before doing somebody this realized? For six months. So six months because she, the, the doctors hadn't communicated. Hey, I've also sent this. She was confused on the medication, and so now we got six months of terrifying hallucinations where she's essentially barricading herself in the house with towels and those kind of things. Well, yeah. and you know, my son is a physician at a big hospital in Ohio, and I asked him. You know, I said, Christian, why is it that? the primary doctor isn't consulted, say when somebody's in the hospital or a neurologist, a family goes to a neurologist and the primary doctor's not consulted on what medication change there is. And he said, there's no time. There's no time to do that. Yep. And there are the my charts, which are great, but is anybody reading those my, my charts? And who is on top of the my charts? Yeah, I think everybody's, everybody's, you know, all of us that work in healthcare, our our, our um, schedules are so compressed and they're so tight. There's a lot. In addition to the patient care side of it, there's the regulatory stuff that we got that we've got to, all got to deal with. So it's just it's almost an impossible task to keep if you're the physician or the primary doctor, like keeping updated on this stuff. So well, and I have a question too yeah. on Nexus, and so I know we're on meds, but just talking about that discharge paperwork. A lot of times I see patients that are on Medicare Home Health, they may not hear from anybody for a week. So yeah. it. What do they do? How many days is a normal grace period to wait to hear from the Medicare Home Health Agency? Okay. So assuming that the discharge planning process was actually a plan and that the patient hasn't gone home without a plan in place. So let's assume that the, the discharge um, planner, the, the case manager, whatever you want to call him or her in a facility is usually we pre we prefer that they start communicating with us a few days prior to discharge so we can kind of get an idea of when they're coming home because our policy is we want to see them the day after because we because we see all all of this stuff so the other issue with them going home is the, the dietary stuff changes, right? If you've been in a hospital for a couple weeks and then a rehab um, hospital for a couple weeks, you're you're used to eating different foods and what you're going to be exposed mm -hmm. to at home. And then you've got the whole home environment thing. So there's all that stuff. So anyway, to answer your question, it's we want to be out there within 24 hours um, of a discharge from any kind of a facility, whether it's rehab, SNF, or hospital. But it really depends on how communicative the case manager is at the hospital level, though, too, because we have seen but them. But how do you know? I mean, how do you know that they've made that 
that had that communication or they just sent over a fax. Yeah, this is where you as the patient or you as the POA or the son or the daughter want to make sure manager. yeah, that you're that you're communicating with that caseworker, the case manager, mm-hmm. uh, the social worker, whoever that might be that's 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 doing the discharge planning process that you've communicated with them, hey, what's the next level of care going to be? Who needs to be involved? Have those orders been sent? The other thing we run into too is the, the equipment isn't delivered. Like it's not ordered, it's not delivered. Mm-hmm. So there's 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 equipment needs, there's medication that's the other thing you need to follow up with too is do we have the medications um, prescribed that we need so we can get those at home? So I would communicate heavily with the case manager. Well, for and those. that's for me as a care manager, and and not everybody can afford a private concierge nurse or care manager. But those are the things I ask. You know, what meds? What can she take home? Yep. Has everything been called in? Um, is there something that has to be called into a different pharmacy? Right. When can we expect a call from the home health? Right. You know, all those questions that people don't really, they just assume in the, they've got a packet, so it's yep. all done. And yeah. it's not always all done. Right. And if they if the, if the orders were all set, in, set, you know, for a pharmacy, DME, which is medical equipment, or home health or hospice, or whatever, assuming all those all things were done on the front end effectively, the patient or the family member should be contacted, um, ideally before they discharge. But Worst case, I'd say within 24 hours. If nobody's come to see you or called you to schedule, then call back the case manager or your doctor mm-hmm. um, and, or your care manager in terms of, terms of uh, like joy, joy care. Mm-hmm. Make sure that they're aware of it so they can rectify that. Mm-hmm. So that's number one. Number one is making sure there's a master reconciled medication list that everyone agrees to. Um, by the way, that person who's maintained that has to be the patient or... Um, a loved one, right? Mm-hmm. And they're updating the, the specialist. Anytime a medication changes, the doctor's all informed versus the doctor having to call themselves. You know, you're going to make sure you update the doctors so everyone knows. Absolutely. So when they leave the hospital, they've got a med list. Mm-hmm. Make sure a family member, loved one, care manager, someone calls the primary doctor to let them know what meds they're on. Correct. Correct. Now, ideally, if they're working with a home health company, we are sending that stuff over. Like we're calling the doctor going, hey, we got some medication issues here. We're not really sure which ones are supposed to be on. Ideally, we're getting them set up with that physician visit within seven days because uh, there usually have been some medication changes. And then we get a master list kind of from there. That's great. So, and, you know, pharmacists are always looking for contraindicated medication. And my particular patient that was doubling up, she got one Prescription from one pharmacy, one from CVS, one from Walgreens. So yeah. that was where I think the Walgreens physician um, pharmacist would have said, hey, we're, we're getting two of the Correct. same thing. Um, but uh, this particular patient, we drove to three different pharmacies. She couldn't remember what pharmacy she was Correct. using. Yep. And so that is... You know, can be a big problem. That's right. That's too. right. It, the more the more things, the more doctors, the more pharmacies you bring in, it adds to complexities, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so the second one, in addition to having a master master medication list, we want to have some way of tracking that we actually took the meds. Because I'm 45 years old, and there are days I have forgotten to take my supplements or my vitamins, or whatever. And I'm at lunchtime, like, did I take that today or not? So if I'm in my 70s and 80s, there should be some way of verifying that you actually took what you were supposed to be taking. Um, so you can do that through those pill packs. It's seven letters, pill box. <laughs> yes. They're uh, great. There, there are local pharmacists who will do it for you. Um, I think Amazon just literally bought pill pack a couple of years ago, whatever. So there's there's options out there. Or you could go the non-techie you know techie route and you could just get one of those plastic ones. You know, it's got AM and PM in it and you, you pre-fill it and that way you can always verify that you're actually taking the stuff you're supposed to be taking. Well, and I have another client that has trouble sleeping and I the first thing I do, hey, how'd you sleep last night? 
Joe, I slept terrible. I look at his pillbox and he didn't take his PM mm-hmm. medicines. Yep. And uh, so, it, you know, that's right. Yeah. You know, you know, and that's the thing for me. It helps me as a pillbox, as a clinician, as an yes. as an RN. You know, I have that that checkbox. Yes. You know, I can see whether or not he's taken his meds yep. or my patients have taken. Yeah. Their meds. The fun challenge is when you have someone with some cognitive difficulties. And so you may or may not know, even if you look at the at the pillbox, you may or may not know like what's actually happened to them. Um, so even if you call them on the phone, so I like the Alexa, you know, there's an Echo Show device. Mm-hmm. And so we've actually had some of our families get those. And so they can actually do a video call. The device is next to the meds. They can do a video call and actually watch mom take them because it's one thing to get one, you know, because they have those pill packs or pill, pill boxes that are on a timer. And so the alarm will keep going off until you pull the little sleeve out. Well, Depending on the level of cognition, they just want, may pull the sleeve out and then just sit there on the, on the countertop. Right, yeah. on the table. So you want to verify, depending on levels of cognition, you might want to verify they're actually being ingested. But you know, this at least gets you down the right path. So one, we got master list, the master list. Uh, number two, we want to make sure that we're following that medication regimen and like tracking it. Number three is we want to make sure that you're monitoring vital signs or what we call a key indicator. So that means if I'm diabetic, I'm tracking uh, my sugar. sugars. If I've got hypertension or high blood pressure, I'm tracking blood pressure. If I've got something like congestive heart failure, I may be tracking my weights, you know, because a weight gain of two pounds overnight or five pounds a week is usually an ER visit. So you want to be able to track that stuff. And the reason behind that is because you want to make sure that the meds are actually doing what they're supposed to be doing. So a lot of good it does you if you take hypertensive meds. And we don't really know, except for the two visits a year or three visits a year you see the doctor, what the blood pressure is. Well, and now with with blood sugars, with the Libra... Um, you know, it's, it's, it's a little device that's in yes. your arm and it yeah. checks your blood sugar all day as often as you need it. And I think that's awesome because yes. you're not having to prick your fingers anymore. Yeah. Um, and there are even smartwatches can, can do those readings for your yes. blood sugar. And, um, so it's easy, easier yep. to stay compliant. Yes. And they are working on some ways. I don't know how they're going to do this. They're working on some ways to make watches do blood pressure readings. I mean, they, they can already do oxygen levels. They can already do heart rates. They can check like the new Apple watches can actually check for, it's like an EKG. Um, so they're, they're, they're making smarter devices that make this a little bit easier. But the point of all it is you want to make sure that there's some sort of a feedback loop that you know that the meds are doing what they're supposed to be doing. Um, there's a, you've heard of white coat syndrome, I'm sure, right? Mm-hmm. So I was actually at the doctor today and I, I definitely have it. I'm always high when I go. And so um, but what we found is interesting. There's a, there's a significant portion, we think it's about 20% of um, seniors who have, um, high, uh, who have white coat syndrome. There's another, so that's when your blood pressure rises when you see anybody, mm-hmm. dentist, doctor, doesn't matter. Mm-hmm. There's another, we think around 20% that have the opposite of white coat syndrome. So these people, when they go see the doctor, their blood pressure actually drops. So it's fascinating. Yeah. And so if the blood pressures aren't being taken in their home where they live, you know, the other 363 days that the doctors aren't seeing them, then we don't really know what those things are really running. Um, And so, you know, we're the the doctors and the practices are using their, you know, their best educated guess on, hey, if you're if you're showing up consistently high, we we think you've got hypertension. So we're going to put you on these these blood pressure meds. What we're running into now is that there are some people who are actually normal at home. But when they go see the doctor, they're higher, so they're on these hypertensive meds. And so I come out there, and they're having falls because they're they're now their baseline blood pressure is too low, and they've got what they call orthostatic hypertension. Yeah, and so now their meds aren't correct. Yes, so right. they're already starting low. They stand up, their blood pressure drops even further on the floor, mm-hmm. and so you know this becomes an issue. So again, um, you want to make sure that you're monitoring whatever conditions you're being treated with with medications that we're monitoring those things and making sure that they're effectively working. And not only monitor, if you get the readings that it's off, 
call your doctor. Which brings me to number four. <laughs> so number four is if you're if you got the master list and you're taking the medications the way you're supposed to be doing and you're monitoring everything, what do you do um, when things start to go awry? Because over time, like your body's going to metabolize medications differently. I mean, uh, speaking of, we've talked about carbidopa, levodopa earlier today. That actually has some blood pressure issues if you've been on it for a long time. And so sometimes it just, because the length of time you've been on a medication, it can change things for you. And so number four, or is knowing how to respond to changes. And so we think of this as like a like a, a stoplight system. So you got green, which is everything's safe, you know, not too high, not too low. You know, then you got yellow, which is the, the area beyond that, which is more of a like a caution zone. So if your blood pressure is too high, what do you do? If your blood pressure is slightly low, what do you do? Um, and be, so you can get it back to the green zone versus it getting worse and worse and where red zone is actually, you know, that's a hospital stay or an ER visit or whatever. And so it's really important to know what those safe ranges are for you. Sometimes you can go by some standard numbers for that, you know, blood pressure ranges or whatever. And sometimes the doctors actually want their own ranges um, because the individual patient might ride high or might ride low. And so they may tweak those ranges and you just need to know what those ranges are. So, you know, Hey, what do I do when it's this? What do I do with this? When do I call you when I call the doctor or the nurse or whatever? Mm -hmm. um, and when do I call for 911? So those four things are what we found have been most effective in um, helping to reduce um, a lot of the hospitalizations. So again, it's master medication list, making sure that you're following the treatment or the, the medication regimen. Number three is making sure you're monitoring your vital signs or key indicators. And then number four is if everything's going smoothly, great, but if it starts to trend poorly, what do you do then? Mm -hmm. And that's why it's so important to have a great home health company that you can call or call your doctor, get to know the nurse, yeah. um, get to know the nurse's name and call. And if they don't call you back, call them again. Yep. Um, you know, there is always somebody there that can help you. Yeah. And this is, you know, Medicare, they, they do, they publish a lot of studies every year. And so this is probably a, a couple years old, maybe about a year old. I think COVID's wrecked everything on, on some of this stuff, but like the most more normal year we had, um, they, they projected that roughly two thirds of all hospitalizations are, are considered preventable. Mm -hmm. And, um, it's a, it's an annual cost to Medicare of $17 billion a year for what they deem as preventable, preventable hospitalizations. And that's, Yes, there's the medical condition stuff, which we just kind of went over. There's falls and there's injuries. It's all those. It's all those things that all contribute to it. But when you're dealing with the medication side or the chronic illness side, if you do these four key things, we have found that there's a significant drop in the risk for hospitalizations, ERs, and those kind of things. Yeah, and I think about my clients that wind up in the ER. Um, they're non-compliant. They're not taking their meds right. They're not eating right. They're they're not listening to what the physical therapist told them to do or told them not to do. So it's just so important to educate and yes. communicate and keep educating, never stop educating. Right. So for, for patients or for seniors or loved ones who have older, um, older loved ones rather, um, that need some additional help and maybe they do, maybe they don't have a home health, but they need somebody to kind of help quarterback and oversee that. This is what you do with joy care. This is what I do. How does somebody get in touch with you? So they can reach me, um, on my cell 214-415-3779, or they can email me Joe Alch, J-O-A-L-C-H at joycaremanagement.com. There you go. Uh, what about you, Brian? Because um, you are the very best in home thank health. Thank you. My cell phone number is 321-271-4052 or email is brian, B-R-I-A-N, at nexushomehealthcare.com. Um, 
I think too, you know, when when you're if your loved one's in the hospital and you're getting that list, yep. play a part. Ask questions. Tell me about this home health. Have you worked with them before? Um, uh, you know, they usually, yeah, yeah, you know, but have you, do you communicate? Who is it that I talk to? Is, is, um, if I have an issue, am I going to have a problem getting in touch with someone on the weekends? Right. So even families, you know, you've got to sign consents, um, for this, this, you know, home health agency or for myself, like, what are your hours? You know, there, there's some care managers that, that I work not with in my company, but are in the field and they don't answer the phone on the weekends. Well, how do you prevent problems on the weekends? You yeah. can't. It, Especially you know. in that first seven to 10 days, yes, which are just so yes. crucial. Yeah. So there's got to be somebody they can talk to. And if if you don't feel you're getting the communication, then there are other options. Yep. And just remember, you always have a choice. The customer always has a choice. Right. And so just make sure whoever you're working with, whether it's the doctor or the the therapist or the nurse, or in your case, the care manager, make sure that they're helping you identify what those four things are, those four keys, and how to make sure you're managing those things well, and that will help keep you out of the hospital. Thank you, Brian. Until next so time, much. Joe. Until next time, take care in this heat, stay cool. <laughs> we'll we'll see you again. All right. Bye, Joe.